Everybody please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. We have the crew back together this week. Uh, let's let's just get right to it because joining us for the first time in uh, years, mm. a few weeks. Yes, delicious. <laughs> D. Steph Driver, Yay. welcome back to the program. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's it's been a few weeks, and for the listeners who don't already know, our fifth member of the podcast, Missy Driver, has died, and that's why I was not here. Um, Shit sucks, and I took some time off, and everything is bad, and I'm still very sad, so... Well, we've missed you. Obviously, we're all going to miss Missy Driver. She was a part of all of our lives. Yep. I spent quite a bit of time with that dog, and she was pretty awesome, and you were a pretty good do- dog mom to yeah. her. So, so it was, she had a good life. She had an incredible life, 12 years, and, and she was just the happiest dog in the world, and and it was it happened peacefully. She was at home with me and my dad, and the cats so as well as it could have gone it went and cancer sucks and now we have to talk about the flyers and <laughs> jesus i'm more know. about cancer they're better <laughs> than cancer <laughs> they're better than cancer slightly better marginally than cancer. <laughs> the athletic.com's own charlie o'connor so i want to ask a question and it's just it, it, it it's kind of bizarre to me this is still going on why is jay gardner still not signed i was just thinking about this That's today a- because I was reading an article about the remaining free agents that could actually impact a team, and I'm like, how has no one signed? They just got to be trying to figure something out in Toronto, and he's willing to wait. I don't think so because I think once they got Tyson Barry mm-hmm. in that trade, I just, I don't know really where he fits, both yeah. from a like both from a roster standpoint, and also just from a cap standpoint. I mean, that kind of tapped them out. Aside from what they're saving to to sign Mitch Marner eventually, like I've read that. Teams don't want to give him term, which I guess makes sense to a degree because he did have the back issue last year. Okay. But like the Canucks gave Tyler Myers five years. Yeah. And Jake Gardner, like, yes, Tyler Myers doesn't come with the injury concerns that Jake Gardner might come with. But Jake Gardner doesn't come with the he's actually bad concerns that Tyler Myers comes with. But Charlie, you have to think about who's running these organizations. <laughs> Those people don't think Tyler Myers is that's obvious. Everyone thinks he's really good. Yeah. Like everyone who Or runs, at least the Canucks do. The Canucks, <laughs> and I bet you at least fifty percent of the people who run NHL teams think Tyler Myers is good and would give him that money over Jake Gardner. Maybe. Like, well, I, clearly someone did over Jake Gardner. Yeah, it's the it's the hockey. It's the and I don't hate Myers the way other people do. I understand his limitations. I think he's a five. Yeah, if if you wanted to use him in a certain role, like would I take him over Braun? It depends on term and contract and everything, but probably yeah, I would. But we'll get into some uh, around the league stuff soon enough. But first, last but certainly not least, the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. Now I'm annoyed again that Chuck had to get all his stuff done so early. Like I know I <laughs> yep. just had I just had to look it up and Gardner's a lefty, so maybe we never would have gotten him anyway. But I've wanted Jay Gardner forever. 
like since Randy Carlyle didn't know what to do with him and never played him, I wanted Jake Gardner. If for nothing else than the gardener, as we like, we <laughs> the mispronunciation of his name would be oh, a lot. Oh yeah. God, it would be brutal. It would yeah, be good. It would be a lot. Of we fun. we talked about it in our Slack chat a couple weeks ago that it's amazing that Jay Gardner actually finished out his contract in Toronto and just left as free agent because it seemed like every year yeah. he was rumored to be traded yeah. to every He was yeah, he was <laughs> always on the block. Like, yeah. He was traded 12 times. Yes. <laughs> like it's it's pretty yeah, that is And he just finished out his contract yeah, just, yeah. I mean presumably he's going presumably. to leave. <laughs> That's the like uh, are they going to wait him out? Like, hey, here's your uh, one year, one mil, like Kevin LeBan. <laughs> who, the, who the hell knows? We'll get into that, too. Uh, so I'm excited because, man, Stranger Things 3, damn, that was good. It was a good Listen, season. Ho, ho. I'm good only season. three episodes in. Everybody slow the fuck uh, down. It's a slow one. It gets going. All right. It I, gets I, a lot better. I liked it much more than season two. Yeah, I didn't love two. Yeah, one was, you know, the OG. Yeah, uh, this was, was yeah, a... a this was noticeably better. All I know so far, I don't watch this show. All I know so far is that I thought that they were going to kill the hot guy with the mullet, but they didn't yet. Maybe. Uh, okay. He's sort of dead. Wait, yeah. wait who's the hot guy with the mullet? Billy. The hot guy with the mullet. Is he actually Billy. hot? Oh, what is this? oh, that guy. You know why he is? Shit is our, do people think he's good looking? I'm going to tell you because women like me are stupid and they look at him and they go, that guy's definitely not going to text me back. I fucking like <laughs> Hold him. Hold on. I'm I Googling. Just, I like, he's... Absolutely not. Keep, no, he I would keep, get it. I keep hearing <laughs> no fucking way. Like he's the hot dude on the show. Every yeah. like he's supplanted Steve. It's now Dad Steve now, and <laughs> Billy's the hot guy. And I keep asking every woman I run into who's seen this show. He's got blue eyes. Like, listen, I don't think I'm and all a really that. pervy mustache. Yeah, I think that's yes. that's for the show though. I don't the think 80s. I don't think I'm all that attractive. I well. find myself. So much better looking than Billy. First of all, he's a grown man going by Billy, which I always have a problem with. Any Billys out there listening, I'm sorry. I have a problem with your identity. It was the 80s. It was time. It blows my mind. Like Charlie which is, is probably a, why I wouldn't like the show. Charlie is a better looking dude than Billy. Without a doubt well, in my mind. Thank you, The both of you are Wait, is incredibly that what he looks handsome. Like, like in real life? Oh, is that what he actually looks like? Is that like? what he actually looks like? I don't oh, that's know. That's what though. Google says. Well, right. there you go. That may be what he looks like without the mustache. I was on to something. Like, yeah, the stuff. curly because, mullet. Like, listen, I got long because hair. Because if we're looking at, at eight pack and... that's He's a lifeguard, so he constantly has his shirt off. Yeah, he's always pretty and much nude. The, and it's the mom. And like, sweaty. The I mom's all want to fuck him. what they're yeah. thinking about, like, Oh, statutory husband. rape. Oh, that's great. The great they, show. No, I they, think they he's, never, they, he's, yeah, they he's over 18. He might be. He's like out of high school, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Is he out of high school, graduated, or dropped out? Graduated, Steve I think. graduated, and they're the same age, Well, they right? say, yeah. so. well, the wiki says he's only 17, so. Maybe, maybe, was maybe the, last year. Yeah, it might be season two. Yeah. We've gotten off track. I don't watch this show because. So, Charlie. I don't watch anything. We met. To, we even mentioned it that we were going to get to it last week, and somehow we filled an hour without getting to Dev Camp. Uh, it's a you, talent. You were yeah. You were there, Steph. I, fucking Craig. I saw you actually left your house and uh, may have made your way over to Voorhees for it. Well, you live I in live in Voorhees. Made your way <laughs> yes. over to the skate zone for it. For I did, but it was right. It was like right after Misty died, so you could have told me that I was watching Elephant Skate, and I would have been like, "Yeah, okay, be fucking awesome." Like, yeah, that's uh, that's what's happening here, so Charlie. Just like uh, what I'm going to get to these uh, flare quotes in a minute, but just like what were your main? T- what was one thing that stood out to you above every? Everything else at Dev Camp. Um, I don't know if there really was one thing per se. Of course, the, the way the way that I described it in my article was I thought the first half because 
one thing about dev camp for me i've been doing this been going to these dev camps like every single day of dev camp for quite a long time and what tends to happen every year if you go every day is that there's one guy who sort of starts to stand out as like the guy who owned dev camp like mm-hmm. connect owned dev camp one year Proveroff owned dev camp one year myers owned dev myers camp one year the, yeah. sanheim like they the, there's always one dude who just like looks too good for camp and what was interesting about this year is this year kind of got split down the middle like the first couple days it looked like that guy was going to be farabee Joel Farabee and he looked really really good and it was like I guess this is going to be his camp and then the back half of camp when they started getting into like the game situation because the way they did it this year was they had first two days were mostly drills then they went to the trial on the aisle in Stone Harbor and then they came back they did like morning practices but then they had the three on three tournament and then they had a new five on five scrimmage so the final two days were more like game situation ish and in those days, Morgan Frost killed it. So okay. it was kind of weird where you have like the beginning, you're like, this looks like Joel Farabee's camp. And then the second half is like, oh, yeah, Morgan Frost is ridiculously talented. And those are the two names, the two names that are going to come up the most. Those are our, at this point, top two prospects, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you make a case for Myers if you still consider him a if prospect. If you consider him a prospect. But he wasn't there. So, true. Yeah. True. Based, yeah. And based on like what the offseason plan seems to be, they have a spot penciled in for Myers. Myers yeah, is. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's He's in the line. Third Unless pair bombs. Yeah, that's in camp. That's, I made that. Uh, I said that on Twitter today to somebody. We were talking about the D, and I was like, barring a catastrophic camp, he's penciled in. And like I said, some other stuff that I was. I think there's a better chance we see Ghost in the press box than Myers, but we'll get to that maybe at some point. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I, listen, you know, uh, but we have these quotes here, and that's a lot of people. Like I put out on Twitter today. What do you? Because listen, it's not like there's a ton. Spoiler alert. The offseason's over for the Flyers. We got to get to camp ASAP. Yeah, uh, please the, hurry up. Like the one pressing need still is that 3RW spot. They're a third line wing, whether it's left or right. In my head, it's right. Yeah, um, but Limblom can play both. Yeah, Limblom can play both. So that, that's both. what gives them flexibility. Yeah. Limblom can play both. And we saw him on the right side at different points at the end of last season. So it was like, oh, he does do both. It's not just in Sweden. But these are the quotes from Flair. Because I've said, like, at this point, if LeBanc signed. Doesn't look like we're getting Furland. Who do you want for that spot? Leave it open for somebody to win. Uh, and these are the quotes here uh, from Flair. I think there's guys that can challenge. You watch Joel Farabee. I'm going to call him Joel. Uh, you watch <laughs> Frisbee. You watch Joel Farabee. You watch the way he thinks the game, especially the small area hockey games out there. He's a guy that I can that I can imagine. You put him with NHL players, he can play. Whether he's physically ready or mentally ready to handle the grind of an NHL season, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's realistic. Morgan Frost's another player. You can see the way he thinks the game and sees the game. He can make plays. Again, whether he's ready physically to handle the rigors of the NHL, training camp will dictate that. There's a lot of guys. We'll get to the rest of this quote in a minute, but let's just say it's those two, because he doesn't mention Ratcliffe, and he's my dark horse for that spot, but there is a third guy that he mentions. If you were to handicap it right now, you think these two coming into camp, they're both going to show you something. Who has a better chance to make this? Not Which one makes it? Because it's not a guarantee that either do. And if I had to guess, I would say neither do. But if you had to say one has the is above the other at this point to get that spot. Frost. I, I think it's got to be Frost. Okay. Yeah, Farabee's still like a toothpick. 
So Farabee is up to, he said at dev camp, he told us at development camp, he is up to 175. Yeah, that's, he's Which still is, a topic. It's a 175, so, Jesus. But like he started out at 160. Yeah, yeah. So like he is putting on weight. He said he plans to be at 180 by the end of the summer. So I'm assuming that's his <laughs> goal too. is to hit 180. Hey buddy, by, I by can the, help you. There we go. <laughs> um, and I believe, I forget who we asked. We asked one of, one of Flar or, uh, or Fletcher, but... I think they were like, we think he'll play at like 190. Like that'll be kind of his sweet spot because they don't, because the big thing is with those kind of guys is that you don't want them to put on too much weight because then they start losing their agility and their quickness and you, you don't want that. But you still want them to not be toothpicks and Farabee still is kind of a toothpick. Frost, on the other hand, like the thing with Frost to me is that I don't know how much more weight I want him putting on. Yeah. Like, like yeah, he still looks small, but I think he's always going to look small. He doesn't look frail anymore. He used okay. to look frail. Now he doesn't. Yeah, he looks like he's filled out. Yeah. And like matured. So we're... Morgan Frost... And I guess it's they drafted him a year earlier and he's had multiple huge seasons. Uh, Farabee had that slow start and then was killing it in the NCAA and now he's choosing to go pro, which is probably the right way to go. But I guess you would just say Frost more seasoned at this point. He's a year older. Yeah. And he also... Fair, it's not that Farabee didn't have a very good freshman year. Oh, yeah, he for had a, a freshman, he, had, he killed He had a great freshman year. And considering the fact that his team was quite bad, it was even better. But Frost was dominant for two consecutive yeah. seasons in Canadian juniors. And to be honest, like college hockey, it's probably harder to score. But Farabee was not one of the three best forwards in college hockey. You could make a very strong case. Morgan Frost is one of the three best forwards in Canadian juniors. Yeah, when Frost is pushing two points a game, it's like, yes, would he be at that in the NCAA? No, probably not, because there's 23-year-olds out there. But, uh, listen, (laughs) that points total is absurd. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, The third guy he brings up... He says, Rubstov's a guy that you watch him in certain drills. Defensively, our coaches, they like a lot of things he can bring. Uh, something maybe uh, people won't watch at first glance, but you watch. He's always above the puck. He's always responsible. He's always in position. A lot of those things that young players have to learn, he does well. But he missed most of last year. Uh, whether the whether the right whether making Rubstov the whether Rubstov making the team is the right thing to do, that will be our job to evaluate and train and camp to see where he's at if he needs more time great if he's ready to go great that's up to them their play will dictate that now this is a guy because of his ability to play both wing and center and the way that i'm looking at it not as like that yes in my mind it's the three rw spot right but really it's your bottom four forwards i'm looking at yeah that's those are the spots that are up for grabs however you move them around because we've played Lawton in multiple places we know uh, raffle can play up in the lineup pitlick can play center we've yeah. seen that that's a fair so, point nak Vorobiev, we've seen all these guys that can play multiple spots rubstov's very interesting to me I need to just take a time out because I haven't been here in a couple weeks. Pitlick. Yes. <laughs> you like that name? I just think it's the funniest name. <laughs> we got a lot of comments about just talk about his name. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. Like that poor kid. Growing up, that must have been absolutely brutal. Yeah, he had to get good at sports. Yeah. Like, so like now, that, that was it. Now it's a funny nickname and he's in on the joke rather than getting bullied. Oh, God. <laughs> he had to get good at sports. All right. But, I'm yeah, glad we took a minute for thinking, that. Thinking, like, just these and looking at what the Flyers valued this offseason and what they appear. I mean, you have Couturier and you have Patrick down the middle. You know 
what those two are and what they do well. Uh, you know, you're looking for more offensively from Patrick, obviously. Sure. But you're already kind of confident that, especially at 3C, he can hold his own in his end of yeah, the Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll get them between yeah, 30 and 40 yeah, points. And he'll you get feel there. pretty confident about that. Listening to how he's talking about Rubstov and what they're valuing down the middle... Man, I think he's a dark horse for a 4C spot, and we're going to move other guys around. I really think he has a chance to make this team. Getting hurt this year, and he, uh, getting hurt last year, and he mentions it, might put him a little behind, but at a certain point last year, guys were like, hey, he can probably come up. The one thing, yeah. I'll, the one thing I'll say about Rupsoff is that, and, and I think I, I dropped in on the BSH comment section about like a month ago, and I sort of dropped this, and I, I thought I had talked about it in my articles, but maybe I didn't pump it up, up enough, is the fact that like, the organization was giddy over what Rupsoff showed them at start the start of mm-hmm. last year. Because like the one thing the one thing about hockey men that you gotta understand is there's nothing they like more than when they tell a young kid this is what you have to do to get better, and then he does it. <laughs> he does it not only does he do it, but he does it immediately. Mm-hmm. Like it's like he just flipped the switch and boom. Like they love the idea of coachability. And Rupsoff came in and they're like, okay, you got these things down, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, and then you'll be good. And he just did it like immediately. One, the, the, he jumped out of that gray star doing exactly what they wanted him to do, and they were ecstatic. And that's why they were so they were so crushed when he got hurt because they were like, "This guy is great. Like he makes us all look brilliant because we told him what to do, and he mm-hmm. did it. And now he's scoring at you know he was like he had like ten points in fourteen games, yeah, which is that's... pretty darn good, especially when it's your first taste of the AHL. So they were really pumped and at what had, they saw in him. He's had such a stop and start career since they've drafted him. He's in Russia, he's over here, he's in juniors, he's like, oh, he gets traded, finally he gets with the Phantoms, he's doing what they want him to do, he looks like the first round pick they made, They drafted him to be, and what was it, it was a shoulder, right? Yeah. She has yeah. the injury yeah. and his season's over, so he's one of the guys, like, in camp, I realize he's not Froster Farabee and he probably never will be the dynamic offensive player we're hoping those guys are. But as someone who could come in and contribute and help this team win games in October, November, like at the start of the season, I don't think it's far-fetched to believe he has a spot. I, I don't either. I actually really like Or he could win off. a spot. And I, I've gone from disliking him. You and- caught the germ? Oh my god! You've been infected by the germ. I'm walking out. Goodbye. That's amazing. Goodbye. It got you. Steph lasted 19 minutes. (laughs) Um. So anyway, I hate you two. Um. Like a lot. And Charlie's on my side. I am. Very Um, anti-germ. Pro rubes off anti-germ. Yeah. Let's just whatever. Um. I'll go Ruby Soho too. I'll yeah. I'll go either way. So I don't even remember what I was saying because you two drive me insane. Mm -hmm. So that's my job. So um. So the Flyers. Yeah, so, so, so Kelly, are you putting then Lawton on a wing? Is that what we're doing? Or well, are we just it, walking away? Well, from I, I got to tell you, I don't really care. Yeah, I think I think like Lawton, Lawton is good, a, but Lawton is not going to be the make or break. On oh, this no, team. no, no. I don't think so either. But I, I do think that he's an excellent bottom. Uh, he had 30 freaking points last year. Yeah. I'm not writing Lawton off. No, I'm not writing him soon. off either. I don't know why putting him on the wing is writing him off. Like, I don't know. I feel like if if Rubsoff makes this team, I think he makes it as a wing. Like I think he, yeah, okay. I think he could make it as a center plausibly. But at the same time, I don't know if they love the idea of breaking a guy into the NHL 
at fourth line center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I just don't like kind of, it worked for Couturier to a degree, but he was kind of like he was on the penalty kill a lot and he was actually taking pretty tough minutes for a fourth line center, particularly a fourth line center that was as young as he was. So it wasn't just like, oh, you're getting six minutes a night to be fourth line center kid, you know, develop. I I don't think they want to do that. Not saying it couldn't happen, but I think they would prefer him to, if he wins a job, if Rupsov wins a job, he wins a job on that third line. It's it's interesting with Rupsov, though, because like at Dev Camp, he was impressive. I, I really liked what I saw, and I, I I saw a lot of the things that they were hinting at, which is just the idea of him being like a smart player, doing a lot of little things right, passes, moving into open areas in the offensive zone, moving up ice in game situations. But the thing that really stands out, and again, we just talked about Farabee, you know, being still being something of a toothpick. Frost is always going to be small. Rubsov, German Rubsov, like he was skating around that rink and he looked like an NHL player. Like there are guys that just like just the, their physical shape, they mm-hmm. look like an NHL. He looked like an NHL player. And that stood out because so few guys on that ice did. I remember thinking in the I saw him play maybe two AHL games last year, but I remember thinking watching him skate that exact thing. Like he doesn't look out of place. He doesn't look like a little kid. This looks like someone I could see making the jump and not being like, okay, let's see what happens. Like I think he could hold his own. Now, whether that's in an NHL top nine, because yes, I don't know if they're going to be like, yeah, here's your fourth line job, former first round pick. Let's <laughs> see if you ever become something. Or wait, they like to do that. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, but I, I want to. I'm very interested. This is going to be. While there aren't a ton of jobs like NHL jobs at this very moment, it's going to be an interesting camp just to see where guys stack up at the end and what yeah. the ranking is. Even if none of them make the freaking team, like. What- what do you think happens if both Frost and Rubstuff play well enough that they ought to be on the team? I mean, you could theoretically do it. Mm-hmm. You would just basically have to you basically just have to bump one of Pitlick or Roffle to the press box. Which is fun. Which is which you which you could do. Too bad, so sad, Pitlick. But I mean, you could do it. Like mm-hmm. it's not they're both fourth liners, I mean, Pitlick's getting paid a mill. Ravel's getting paid 1.6. Like, it's not devastating to have one of those guys as a 13th forward, so you could do it. Do I think that's necessarily going to happen? No. no. I, I mean, I don't think it's even a guarantee that one of the young guys makes this team. And, but, like, it, yeah, you could make it work. And Fletcher has said he wants this to be a really hard team to make. So just because you have an outstanding dev camp doesn't mean you're guaranteed a, a spot on this team. Oh, yeah, you have to also have an outstanding no. training camp. Oh, yeah, that's what right. I mean. I think, like, but even then... It, it might not matter. They might just want them in Lehigh Valley. Like, Frost had a pretty good regular camp last season, did he not? No. No, he didn't? No, he actually was pretty disappointing. What am I thinking of? Um, well, the guy who, like, stuck around forever was Carson Torensky. Oh, yeah. So he was the guy who stuck around way longer. No, no, Frost actually, he didn't look that great in the rookie game, which I went to that. And then he got one game against the Islanders. I believe it was on a Sunday. I think it was during an Eagles game because I was at it and I was angry I wasn't watching the Eagles game. Um, <laughs> and he didn't look good in that. And then before the next game, if I remember correctly, he was sent back. And he was sent back at the same time as Ratcliffe and we 
talk to Hextall, and Hextall was basically like, look, like he wasn't ready. He Sorry. was still Sorry. small then, right? Yeah. My he, brain is a leaky suit. It, it, was, it, was, it was a pace thing, too. He was yeah. just kind of getting over, like, it looked like he was kind of getting swallowed up in the defensive zone. Okay. Mark Friedman looked real good during training camp last year. Yeah. Yeah, he stuck Friedman around for a while. Friedman stuck around, yeah. He stuck him around. And Zamula, he, he actually, oh, Zamula, I love oh, he's him. He's my boy. He's Free- another one that looks like he's an NHL player physically. <laughs> he's pretty skinny. Is he? But he was he didn't, phys- Well, like I said, I, I, you could you could have been showing me elephants and hippos on skates at the <laughs> Zamula five is on tall. Five. Zamula was physical in training camp and or in preseason, and that's what I liked about him. Like he's not the biggest, but he was not afraid to mix it up. Before we get to the uh, the draft picks, Charlie, the most recent draft. Pick. Oh yeah, yeah, Ratcliffe. How's my boy looking? I thought he looked fine. Oh. I, I thought he looked fine. Uh-oh. I need better than fine out of my guy. I I would be <laughs> so he actually was brought up so. So Fletcher kind of he was asked a couple days after I think this was after oh yeah I do have this was Fletcher after he did too. the AHL um, all the AHL signings on July one he was basically he was it wasn't asked by me I forget who asked the question but someone basically asked the fact that you didn't sign anybody to be that third line wing does that mean that the you know the kids will be in the running for it and be kind of at the top of the list and whoever was named the three guys that Flar named which were. Farabee, Frost, and Rupsoff. And he basically said, it's more than Farabee and Frost. Actually, no, I think his person just named Farabee and Frost. He, he said, said more than it's Farab- more than Farabee yeah. and Frost. I think Rupsoff had a tremendous prospect camp here. Ratcliffe is a quality young player. Vorobiev is a young man we feel is going to come back next year a little bit stronger. There are several players down there that can play games. So that's the really, and you kind of hinted at what you were saying, where that's the really fascinating part about the way these, these battles are going to shape up in camp because there's so many guys that have plausible chances of making the team, but the positions they're all fighting for are totally different. Yeah. So, like, classic example. Mikhail Vorobiev could make this team again, but he's not. he would make this team as the fourth-line center, which means that if he makes this team, that means that Scott Lawton is your third-line wing. Same deal. Nick Albe Kubel, he he's no longer waiver exempt, so he has a very decent chance of making this team. Now, whether they're okay with him making it as a 14th forward or whether he has to actually make the starting lineup, I'm not sure. But if he makes this team, one presumably figures that he would make it as the fourth line wing. Which then, what does that do? Does that Roth. mean that like Raffle is your third line, Tyler oh, Pitlick yeah. is your third line? Like <laughs> there, and then you have no. Rupsoff, where it's like. Okay, Rupsoff could make this team as the third line wing. He could make it as the fourth line center. He could make it as the fourth line wing. Like, there's a lot of different pieces. That's why, like, a lot of people on the athletic are typing up these, like, what is the roster going to look like on day one? And not only am I petrified that the minute I publish it, that they're going <laughs> to trade Shangas's bear or something. So that's oh, yeah. why I'm kind of putting it off until, like, early August because I still don't know if Fletcher's done. But. It's also the fact that there's just so many possibilities mm-hmm. for how this bottom six could shape up because the guy who wins this job, whoever that is, is going to essentially shape the way the rest of the bottom six filters down because there are certain guys that I don't think they believe are third liners and there are certain guys I don't think they believe they want as fourth liners. Mm-hmm. So whoever wins it is going to decide the makeup of the rest of the bottom six. Yeah, like like you said, a fourth line for a guy who's developing might not be the best spot, but someone who's maybe can play in between. Yeah, it's, it, it, so it's it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. Whereas like somebody like Ratcliffe, obviously he's only making the teams a third line wing and you asked me about him like he looks good he's 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 actually he's got a, a really good attitude about the whole thing and he still wants to improve his acceleration he thinks that needs to be better and he's right it, it does 
But like his top end speed's great, and his hands are great, and he's getting stronger. And and yeah, he'll be in the mix. He reminds me of Lawrenson. We need like to put a bug up his interesting. Hands. No, just, this is the second no. time in three days that his name has been mentioned. Just in it's terms true. of you looked at you looked at Lawrenson. I'm like, listen, he he played a couple of games here. He's not in like I don't think he's in any organization anymore. I think he's overseas. He's over in Europe. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like a guy. You looked at I him. Follow him on and Instagram. He, like he's a big dude, and you're just like you need to be freaking mean. Like I need Ratcliffe, the little I've seen of him, to be meaner. I get that he has a ton of skill. I get that his straight line speed's incredible. I need him to cross check people in the teeth sometimes. You're looking for Samuel Moran. Yeah, I need him. I, he is mean. That's the thing is, I need like Moran to sit him down and bully him into like becoming another asshole too. You're like. Uh... You're like, um, oh god, the uh, the coach from dodgeball when he's screaming at the uh, the guy from uh, Office Space. You yeah. gotta get angry. Yeah, yeah. You gotta get mean. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. Uh, now, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yes. But the uh, yeah, throw wrenches at him, whatever, <laughs> yeah, whatever exactly. it takes. Uh, thoughts on the draft picks? I just like uh, uh, yam cork. <laughs> That's, so That's happening. That's a thing. Cork. That is a Wade Allison nickname, uh, by the way. Uh, um, uh, god, now I don't even know his name. Cam, Cam York. York. Cam, yeah. York. Yeah. Cam York and Bobby Brink. What did what did we what did we see from those two? Because those are our those are the headliners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I know Charlie's going to give expert analysis, but from the five on five game, the uh, Bobby Brink, Morgan Frost, and uh, oh, Ratcliffe, Ratcliffe was line was line. fun as that hell to watch. Like a lot of the killer line. It was a great line. So I liked. Looked, I they, liked what I saw out of Cam York. Did, did yeah, he was point, around the net a lot. Did at any point that line not have the puck? No, <laughs> never. <laughs> like I can't. They were out of control. Yeah. Okay. They were. They were really good. And Anywho. they were. And they were primarily interesting enough. That interestingly enough, they were primarily matched up against a line of Rupsoff and Farabee. And I forget who the third guy on that line was, but it was definitely Rupsoff and Farabee, and they got the better. Was it Allison? No. Could have been. I don't remember off the top of my head. It could have been. It might, it might have been Allison. It might have been those three. So like that's not a. That's not you know. They're good prospects. Look at me paying attention. And uh, and yeah. And and the the Frost line kind of kicked their ass, and, and scored the game winning goal, which was off of a beautiful pass by Frost to uh, to Brink, who scored it. I just want Frost on this team. So me too. Right. That's the thing that's, with this germ stuff. Like I just, he's really good, but I really want Morgan Frost on this team. I would rather have Morgan Frost because I swear to God, if I have to listen to a full season of you guys saying the germ, I'm jumping <laughs> so from my roof it's... into the pool and hoping to land on concrete. I think the thing with Morgan Frost in this race is that I think fans, and this is no slight against, this is no slight against Joel Farabee and no slight against Grimaldi Russell. I actually like, I actually think I like Farabee slightly more as a prospect than Morgan Frost, but I do think that. Is that just before? Do you think that's a ceiling floor thing? Like, it is partial. Farabee is going to be no matter what good, and yes. if Frost doesn't hit, it's like um, yes. the dude I love with the Islanders, uh, Hosang. Yeah, Hosang. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I mean, what is he really? It's it's more like yeah. There's a there's a fear with Frost that if he just he just doesn't translate, he could just be this amazing AHL player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Farabee, like worst case scenario, I don't see him being anything worse than a third line wing. And I think Farabee, like I think both of their ceilings are first liners sure it's just that the point i was i was about to make was that i think fans should be rooting for morgan frost to make this team because there's things that morgan frost can do with the puck that no one else in this prospect pool can do like he can create offense better than anyone and i think like like farabee will but it'll be in a different way 
Like he'll do it by forcing turnovers mm-hmm. and he'll do it by, you know, forechecking the hell out of people. And if you end up looking at like what their best seasons are in the NHL, they might be pretty similar. But Frost is the guy who's going to do it by pulling off the show-stopping pass or the crazy dangle or the, the the ridiculous move from in close and a breakaway. Like Morgan Frost is the fun option for He's this the, spot. He could be a looking at what some of the weaknesses of this team overall are, he could be the the thing that fixes power play too. Yeah. Like he could be that Claude Giroux light distributor where it's like, oh yeah, well we fixed that. The guy who has the puck, we finally have someone for that position. All right. Uh anyone else stand out? You have a couple of names here that are interesting. Um oh the other draft picks. So like Kalinic and uh the other one. Oh Kalnick 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 looked good. Uh Kalnick looked good. Um who's the defenseman from Wisconsin. Uh Jack Satan Ivany looks surprisingly good. Um he uh, he had kind of had a weird year because he started out the year in with Yale his freshman year. He played really well and he actually earned himself a job on the uh, on the USA team at uh, at World Juniors. And he didn't he didn't do that good. Like he kind of got he got his chance early. He didn't play that well. He got shuffled down the lineup, and then by the end of the tournament, he wasn't playing much at all. And then he kind of came back to Yale, and I don't just don't think like I think some guys use World Juniors as like a springboard to a really strong second half. Mm-hmm. Joel Farabee's classic example. For St. Ivany, it kind of felt like the opposite, where he sort of expected to come back with this big, like, yeah, I belong. And instead it was like, oh, God, what happened these this this two-week period? And he kind of just, you know, he didn't have a bad finish, but it wasn't as promising as the start. Mm-hmm. So I guess I didn't come into camp with, like, super high expectations for him, but he played pretty darn well in in drills and in uh, in the three-on-three and the five-on-five. Um, Steph talked about Cam York. The interesting thing about Cam York was that in the beginning of camp, he didn't stand out that much to me, but as I get the feeling that he's the kind of guy who will look better in game situations. Okay. Because yep. he his best work was in the five on five because he was activating and he was moving down low. He was the only defenseman who was regularly activating on the cycle and carrying the puck around the offensive zone. He just you could see the smarts and you could see the instincts in a way that you couldn't see them in drills. And like I don't think, I know after the draft he mentioned Gosses Bear. I don't like that comparison because I don't see, and I, I, this is the same thing with the tape I've watched of him. Like I don't, I don't see a dynamic element to his game, but I do see a guy who can, like he can do the stuff that Ghost can do. He just doesn't do it as quick, and like that's fine. Because maybe that means he'll be a little bit more sound defensively. That's and if he like if his greatest asset is his brain, which we keep hearing, yeah. like and Ghost's greatest asset is I can shoot, I can pass, and I'm really uh, yeah I'm really agile in tight spaces. And sometimes he doesn't think about what he's doing. Like if he's the best of both of those things, that cool. could be that could be pretty great. But yeah, I like the five on five play of Cam York. I thought he that was when he was at his best in uh, in Dev Camp and. Yeah, and the other the other prospects that they drafted, like uh, Ronnie Atard, look good. Um, Mason, it's it's Atard, I believe so. Okay, I believe so. Um, oh no, because I want to say Adard. That's, That's what, what I, I want to say too. Yeah. And there's a it l- might be Adard. I'll have to I'll have to go back and check. I have I have it on recording, so I'll have to go back and check. Um, Mason Millman looked quick. He wasn't. I wouldn't say he qualified as the like the fantastic skater that uh, that they were pumping him up after the draft, but you can see how he could turn into one mm-hmm. because 
The lateral movement is really good. And he has occasional, a couple times in the five on five, he sort of had that like blast through the neutral zone with the puck kind of thing that you need speed for. Mm -hmm. And he had it. That That was good to see. Straight line, game breaking. Yeah, yeah. I like to see that. I really actually, probably my biggest pleasant surprise was was Bryce Brzezinski. I was really hoping you'd say Rowdy Roddy Ross. You know what? You know, the thing is though, like, I don't really watch goalies. goalies. Like, I I just don't know the position well enough to really be able to judge them aside from you stop the puck. And goalies sucks so yeah, like right. F him. Always. But except Br- for you Carter love you but Brzezinski <laughs> stood out to me all week like for a seventh round pick and granted he's like he was passed over once in the draft so he's mm-hmm. a little bit older than your average that ever seventh round pick he flashed some skill more skill than I expected out of a player that was drafted that low so it'll be really interesting for me to see how he does at a uh, university of Minnesota in his freshman year because he could be he's he's interesting he, he's he's now on my radar all right, one of the one of the two prospects. Now, I want to ask as we wrap up the prospect talk. Uh, it's one Wade Allison is one of the two prospects I equate most with you. It's it's Hogberg and Allison. Okay, these these are the guys you're selling. You've been selling me on since we've been doing this together. Uh, Wade Allison, man, another just weird story. He's going back to college again. I've been worried that he's just not going to sign and he's one of our more polished guys. Like you said last year, you think he could make this freaking team. What, what, what's up with Wade Allison? So what finally happened at Def Camp is he finally revealed the extent of his injury issues. And so just to kind of recap, so Wade Allison in January of 2018, when he was in the middle of a monster, I believe it was sophomore season uh, with Western Michigan, he tears his ACL and you know, we've seen it with Ghost. Like, Ghost tore his ACL and was fine. And he came back relatively quickly for that kind of injury and was generally fine. Well, Wade Allison did not come back as quick as, as Ghost. And he basically explained that he pretty much felt it like he was playing at about 50% capacity all of last season. And Which makes sense when you look at his numbers, especially compared to the monster year he had prior to Exactly. And even now, and we're talking 17 months after the injury... He still feels like he's only about 85. And what was interesting about it on a couple levels was number one, like the Flyers have been very, um, had been very hush hush about what was wrong with Wade Allison. So it wasn't something that we were getting a lot of info from. Um, so Wade Allison comes in and he gives all the info. You know, he was very open about but what he's been dealing with and very open about how frustrated he's been with how slow of a recovery process has been. And it's also just the fact that he was there. Like, he went to dev camp because I know there's a lot of worries that he's not going to sign. And I guess it's possible. Like, it remains possible, but everything he said leads me to believe that he wants to sign with the Flyers. And even just the fact that he came to this development camp and was, like, the life of the party leads me to believe that he wants to sign with the Flyers. His thing seems to be, which, again, totally understandable, is that... He doesn't want to turn pro until he feels 100% because he's afraid that if he turns pro when he's at like 60, that he's just going to get shuffled down the depth chart. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to be 100% confident in his knee and able to do everything that he can do, he could do before, before he signs that contract because while he's still developing, he can basically like, you know, rehab on whatever, which like, I understand that. I understand the, the thought process behind it. I also could justify the idea of like, well, let me just get me get my money and let me get under the watch of an mm-hmm. NHL, you know, staff and, and training staff and then have them work on my knee and maybe I'll get 
better faster. But I understand why he would think that. And I definitely came away from this development camp more confident that he will ultimately sign. Grant, That's because Kelly and I told him to. Well, good good job. We yelled Way to go. Good job. In awesome. his direction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm more confident now that he's going to sign. That being said, when a guy, like, he won't be able to sign until his year gets done. And when a guy gets to the point where it's like, okay, Free well. sees a couple months away. Yeah, like, like well, it, it's, it's looming. Yeah. Then you do have to worry whether he might get wooed by someone else. But I do get the feeling that he wants to sign and with like, the Flyers. It makes sense, especially in a prospect pool this deep, yeah. that he wants to not be in the ECHL or like whatever would happen to him if he wasn't 100%. And there's always the possibility, I can't wrap my mind around it, but there's always the possibility that homie just wants a college degree. What an idiot. Like, yeah, I, I think that's stupid as hell. Nerd. I don't do anything with mine. He's no. not a goddamn professional hockey player. But like, it's always a possibility that he made a commitment and is like, I could have a college degree and be a college graduate at the end of this and then go play NHL hockey. So whatever. Uh, Lazinski wasn't there. Yeah, he wasn't. So we asked we asked Fletcher for um for status for a status update there, and he basically said he had a school commitment. I don't doubt that that's true, and unfortunately, like, I don't have an in with Lazinski or yeah. or anything like that, so I can't confirm it either way. It is just a little it's a little eyebrow raising when you're like, you know, maybe he maybe he did have a summer class and maybe something like that, but. You know, if you really, really invested in an organization, maybe you skip it. I don't know. I, I don't. It's just it's a little eyebrow raising. I wasn't invested in anything and skipped class constantly. Well, my guess, and this is you know purely a guess, is that he was probably failing some classes and was told you can't play hockey next year. If yeah, you don't, it's possible if you don't take these classes over the summer. Very possible. No, that was my when when I saw school commitment. My first thought was it's an eligible. Uh, eligibility concern mm. that's yeah, that's you. my that's my guess that's, like I, I i can't imagine even if he doesn't want to sign with the flyers it's a bad look to any other team that he might want to sign with to yeah. just not show up to dev camp yeah, so true. my guess is that it's probably something to do with his eligibility all right i think we should uh i think this is the spot where we're gonna pause just a moment to pay those bills take an ad break we'll be right back on the other side All right, fam, we are back, and it's gonna. we're going to talk about some NHL players now. His name came up just a bit ago. Scott Lawton headed to arbitration, allegedly uh, July 30th, so obviously they have plenty of time to work it out. And as we know, these things can go all the way up until uh, the arbitrator's in the room. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, uh, what do we think's going to happen here? What do we think Lawton's worth? Uh, this is, I mean, it's... He's not the most important player in the team by any means, but I think last year he really etched out a role for himself and made himself a cog in this thing going forward. He was one of the only guys that kept showing up last year, even through all of the Hackstall drama, yes. even through all of the Hextall drama. And he he was legitimately one of the only guys that was continuing to try through January, February, March, and even April. So I like Scott Lawton, which is still weird for me to say out loud. Um, I want to see him back on the team. That being said, I don't know enough about his contract situation and arbitration to even make a guess, but he's got to make more than Roffle, right? 
Uh, like you would definitely think. should. Yeah. I think he might end up in that same range. Like around two million. I think he might, I think he'll get less than two. Less than two. I think he gets between one point five and two. I'm Raffles comfortable it, paying him two. Raffles at one six. I, believe I would. So, yeah. I would love that range right there. One six, one eight. Like sub two would be awesome. But again, guy had thirty points. You never know. Uh, but he's still young. Yeah, he's uh, freaking guy. I feel like I've been watching. I feel like he played with John Leclerc at this point. <laughs> but he's still like twenty five years old. So uh, this is his prime right here. And I, Steph said it like. It was December last year when the wheels were just falling off. He was the one. I'm sitting there forced. We're all sitting there forced to watch these games because it's our goddamn job. And my torture. Yeah, and my biggest takeaway from this stuff is like it might be ten minutes a game, but Scott Lawton can play for my team any day. I want that kid on my team. Yeah. So I really hope. What was he? What was he making last year? I'm trying to bring up his not much. Yeah, he's been. And like he's been under underutilized or hasn't really broken out to any real extent until this point. So let me. Find but he you. hasn't. I, I also wouldn't necessarily say that he's underperformed. Yeah, I, I agree think that, with that we just don't really know. We just don't really know what he is. Um, he could just be a good utility knife. He could be a younger Raffle. He could play up and down the lineup, and he's reliable defensively, which is new. Um, and he can score some points. He's fast enough, and he can get it done. I just think he's a good bottom sixer. Yeah, like, I, I, a very good one. Where, yeah. Like, Raffle was a little bit different because Raffle, Raffle could drive play, which allowed you to use him as, like, the third best player on a line with two really good players That's- because he would just get them into the offensive zone, and then they did the stuff. Whereas Lawton isn't really a play driver. Like, I don't think... He's kind of had a couple, like one season where he was really good at it, one season where he wasn't so good at it, one season where like he's went up and down in that area. But every year he's been useful. He's just been useful in different ways. So I just to me, he's just a guy who like I never really want to see him above the third line. No, but I'm fine if he's there, and I'm totally thrilled if he's on my fourth line because that means I have the makings of a damn good fourth line. That's uh, his last contract was a two-year deal uh, covering seventeen, eighteen, and eighteen, nineteen. He made uh, his cap hit uh, was nine sixty-two point five, so under a mil there. Uh, seventeen, eighteen, eighty-one games, ten goals, ten assists. Uh, last year, twelve goals, twenty assists for thirty-two points. So, yeah, he's. As useful a bottom sixer as you can probably get, especially considering the price tag, I would like to see this thing resolved sooner than later. And he can play all three positions. Yeah, and, 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 that's, and that's big for a bottom sixer. Like, if you're going to be a bottom sixer guy who carves out an extended NHL career in that role, you better know how to play right wing, left wing, and center. Yeah. And he does. He can play all three. Like, what his ideal position is, I don't know if he needs one. Like, I don't know if a guy like that, you even necessarily want him to have an ideal position because the fact that he can do all three allows you so much more lineup flexibility. And as we were talking about with the, uh, you know, the guys who might make this team in terms of the bottom four forward spots, there's a lot of flexibility there. So yeah. being able to put him in different spots, I think, helps this team. Uh, uh, three years, 1.75. A year? That's per year. Is that, what you, is that what you want? That's what I'm going well, I thought you were like reading that off Twitter. No. Uh, that's my <laughs> prediction. Awesome. I like and it. I'd like it. You would like something over two years, It's would wild, you? right? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm opening Amazing. my mind a little bit. I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> 
since we're in the prediction game now, uh, I want to get into some predictions, I guess. We can go through this. Steph had an idea for a way-too-early cup predictions thing. <laughs> uh, I just I, I was reading a piece today on the Hockey News. It was, uh, yeah, THN did a piece on uh, three playoff teams that could miss and three non-playoff teams that could get in. And the reason I, I clicked on it was that the image was of the Penguins and Flyers. And, of course, those are two of the six teams named. They have Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Winnipeg as playoff teams that could be on the outside looking in this year. And uh, yeah, Philly, Columbus isn't making them. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, that thing was, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> they had one shot and one opportunity. They shot it and it did not go. <laughs> Philly, Florida, and Vancouver were the three uh, non-playoff teams that Matt Larkin predicted could end up in the playoffs this year. Uh, Larkin projects the Flyers to finish second in the Metro, fifth ah! in the East. Well, that's optimistic. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I, like I don't think it's that crazy. I honestly, be I, I've been listening to these podcasts, and I know how optimistic you guys are. Uh, it's I, not- I'm shocked. Like, they're all going to be separated by four points. They could be second in the Metro. They could be second wild card and be four points behind that team. But, like, I I just don't see... I, I don't, don't know, see the Metro as that great, honestly. I don't no. see the Metro as that great. Like, no. We thought they were going to be... It's just competitive. It's competitive, sure. To the bottom. Yeah, but it's like a whole bunch of... It's a weird middle. Like, there's no Tampa. Yeah. That, you know, there's there's no Toronto. Well, there's no Boston. It's just a bunch of middling teams. I, I think the Flyers are just as good as any team in the Metro. That's to say, I don't think the Metro is very good. We <laughs> thought they were going to be great last year. They that's were a, not. That's the thing. And the thing that's The Isles were a point out. Before last season, when we were doing our like kind of preseason run up, we were all pretty optimistic about the Flyers. Last and season. just the Metro in general. Yeah, we were. Not we all. You you thought they were going to make the playoffs. You, I thought they yeah. were going to make the playoffs. Okay, so I, like, I'm, I'm calling it. that optimistic. Mm. But the fact of, I mean, they. I think th- the fact that they didn't make the playoffs was not was the biggest catastrophic failure. I don't I would say that them not making the or them making the playoffs last year was realistic, not optimistic, and the fact that they didn't was a huge fuck up. Yeah. It was missing it the way they did and having a season The and, se- the season was a disaster. Right. Start to finish. Yeah, especially but right. I, so going but, into last season saying they should make the playoffs, they should have made the playoffs. Yeah. But it was a tire fire. Yeah, they didn't have a goaltender. Everyone hated the coach, and right. nobody. And, and apparently, the general manager then couldn't eat pizza. <laughs> yeah. So and my yeah. So my point is, none of that is reflective of the talent on the roster. Well, and- it, is, it is to a degree, but I do agree. The one thing you do have to account for, and I, I was I was doing this in some of my articles before free agency, was that kind of envisioning the scenario of what if. Chuck Fletcher, which I didn't expect he was going to do it, but like, what if Chuck Fletcher literally does nothing? And what does the roster look like? And I was like, well, if you look at the roster, it's basically just what they started last year with. And we all thought that team was a playoff team with Carter Hart, with Carter Hart, and minus a couple of garbage bags. Yeah, and, and with Myers in the lineup instead of Andrew McDonald. It's like, okay, oh. well, that that lineup is better. <laughs> it's better than the one that we thought was like a surefire playoff team. And I think this team. After what they've done in the offseason is better than what they would have what it would have been if they would have done nothing, at the very least because Kevin Hayes gives them a second line and yeah. pushes Nolan Patrick to third line. Like I think it's better. As hopefully Niskin and Braun don't suck. But it still should be this still should be a playoff team, assuming that Carter Hart is good. All right. So as of this date, whatever it is, uh July 9th. Uh, year of our Lord, twenty nineteen, at eight twenty one PM, we are recording this show. 
Does everybody in this room believe the Flyers will make the playoffs? Like, yes. Gun to your head, Flyers playoff team, yes or no? Yes. Charlie? Yeah, I would put them in the playoffs. Steph? No, there's a gun to your head. Unsure. That's I mean, not an answer. You're dead now. You have to pick one. You are now Oh, well, I'm dead. Well, shit. I knew right. the Flyers would kill me eventually. I don't know because I can't. I'm not convinced that the, the moves that they made made the team better. So is that a no then? It's it sounds like a no. It's not a no, but it's also not a yes. You're really hurting <laughs> That's my That's not how we play this Steph. game. <laughs> Do you think missing the... You thought missing the playoffs last year was a serious fuck-up. It was a serious fuck-up. So... If they're even, do you think they got worse this offseason? It's possible. You think it's possible they're worse? Yes. I'm not convinced that they're better. I think it's possible, even with Kevin Hayes, it's possible that Matt Niskanen is completely cooked, and now we have Andrew McDonald 2.0 on the blue line. So it's possible that push. Justin Braun is also fucking shitty because everyone in San Jose hated him. So that's another anchor that we have on defense. And it's possible that Ivan Provorov doesn't sign a contract and, and is not playing hockey for the first half of the season. That's like These are un- all things that are possible. That is an underrated concern you brought up there, the Ivan Provorov thing. But we're going to move on just for the... Not I, like I'm, just, I'm, I'm talking just, I'm just, in, just in terms of defense. Like I, this, The defense has always been a weak point on this team. And I can't say that they've gotten better. I think the team defense got better. I think what I saw out of Sanheim last year was real enough real that good. I'm positive. And I think if they're exactly the same in their forwards and defense as they were last year, I believe they got better. But if they're exactly the same, Carter Hart makes them a playoff team based mm-hmm. on that. But there's a lot of other things that have to go right, uh, obviously. I just look. At, I just look at the NHL, like the standings. And granted, there's always a team that like yeah. you think is going to suck and then ends up being good, but then goes back to sucking the next year. Cough, cough. The New Jersey Devils. <laughs> yeah. But like, you got to call me out like that. Like, I just don't. I don't think. I think Columbus is not a playoff team anymore. No. I think the Islanders are going to regress dramatically because I don't think they were ever any good in the first place. And then be so now you've basically got two spots open up. I think one of those spots probably gets taken by Florida because yeah, I think they're I better. So then it's like, okay, well, who's taking the other spot? And it's probably either the Flyers or Montreal, maybe Buffalo if they make another couple another smart, but I still think they're a bit ways away. So it's basically to me it boils down to whether the Flyers are better than the Canadians. All right. The reason I'm asking this for this prediction is because this is the way too early prediction show, and this is something that way ahead of myself here, but it's a question I got from two people on Twitter, and you get it from two, that's a trend. Uh, <laughs> Ted, at that guy, 11920, and Chris, I think it's Nafi, he asks questions all the time, I probably mispronounce his name all the time, at Chris Kringle, 1977. They both basically asked the same question with the caveats. Flyers brought in a new GM and coaching staff. They added a legit 2C, a pair of vet D-men who are hopefully upgrades. We believe they have a goalie. The kids are no longer first and second year players and we're counting on them to finally take that big step. If this team isn't significantly improved, and by that I mean in the playoffs and threatening to win the division, what's next? Could we finally be in blow it up territory? I need to go back. Yes. I need to go back to all of the points that they listed as truths. You address them as what we believe. Well, so added a legit 2C 
No, they definitely did that. So Kevin he's Hayes better than Nolan Patrick. is better than Nolan Patrick, but I, I think that he's probably a really good 3C that we're putting in at 2C and overpaying a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm not upset about the signing, but I think saying he's a legit 2C is a little bit optimistic. I think adding a 40 to 50 point player means you addressed your biggest hole, which was that. Okay. I, mean, I think 50 points out of a 2C seems okay. Okay. Yeah, so we're we're just bad? we're arguing there. I, I think that he's okay. a really good 3C and we're putting him at the 2C spot. Um then the kids are no longer first second year players just directly contradicts the <laughs> statement above that we believe they have the goalie. I mean Carter Hart played how many games last season? Like we're we're banking on him being really good in his second season, but you, it's his second season as a, as now a starting NHL goalie backed up by Brian Elliott. Like we've seen how this goes. It, it's no, we haven't. We, we haven't, haven't seen, seen how goalies go. We haven't, we haven't seen, seen how seen Brian Carter Elliott. Hart we we start haven't seen season. We haven't seen Brian Elliott and, and what he can do when he's played twenty games back to back. We've seen what happens to Brian Elliott. Yes. Okay. Not good. So what else are you disagreeing with? Carter Hart is not in his second year. He's not a young player. No, we don't know you, we how haven't, he's, how we he's haven't look. seen Carter Hart be the legit starter on this team. Okay, but we also don't know how that's going to go. No, we don't. We he he already got injured in his first his first stint with the team last season. He was already injured. I'm I'm completely on board with Carter Hart being Jesus. I just like can we not put all of our eggs into the we're going to win the cup this These year basket? Two, that's No one's talking about the cup. These two statements are they're differentiated. The goalie is the goalie. That's Carter Hart. The kids I'm talking about are the ones we've been watching. TK, Patrick, Limblom, Provorov, Sanheim. That's five of our starting freaking I'm trying to do math here, 18, like 16, uh, these are guys we're now depending on. It's no longer question marks. They're part of the freaking team. Like, we know we have the 1C in Couturier, no longer the question mark. These are all things we're depending on to happen. Those are two different statements. But what I'm saying is we think all these things are true. These are, this is what we're going into the season believing. This is how the team is built. Unless they do something dramatic here that no one sees coming at this point. If the team isn't significantly improved in the playoffs, challenging for the Metropolitan Division, could we finally be in blow-it-up territory? I'm not advocating for it. I'm just asking. It's the one thing we've been avoiding for a decade now. What next? Yes. What is next? Uh, there's, there's, no, there's no analysis here. The answer is yes. It's 100% yes. Because I think they almost did it. Like... I, I think that Fletcher made the decision that he had good pieces here and wanted to keep it, give it a go and supplement them. But I think there are people in the organization that disagree with you. You think that was on the table? Like Fletcher yes. sat down and said, I have door A and door B, and I'm going to go with, hey, what, Hex, what Hextall built is good. If we change a few things, give some guys some opportunity, wait it out a little longer, things will be okay. I think by the time the offseason started, it was not on the table anymore. Okay. Not, not realistically on the table for a massive blow up. But I think in the second half of last year, it absolutely was. Okay. And it would not be hard for them to pivot back to that if this team starts out in the first 20 games of this year and looks like trash. Yeah, Hinkle. If we start this season and October looks like October has looked since freaking the last year of Lavi, mm-hmm. what do you think? What do you think we're looking at? Is it finally time to say this thing just doesn't work? 
Yes, but then I wonder... What does that look like? Yeah, I wonder how much you blow up a team that's made up primarily of young kids that you grew in-house. You know what I mean? Like, how well, much you can do trade you blow away, it up? You can trade away some of the young kids for other young kids. Fair. I mean, there's there's ways to reshape a roster if you feel like it's necessary. And it's not like these young kids the Flyers have don't have value. Like, you can make trades if you really, really want to. Fletcher just apparently decided he didn't want to, which, as I said in a couple of my articles, like I find it actually pretty admirable that he's taking a look at this and being like, I like these players, they just need more help. I respect it. Time will tell whether he's right, but I, re- I respect the fact that he's staying loyal to a group of players that he didn't himself bring in. Yeah. I can't believe... They haven't traded a single prospect, first of all. Like, I want to get the biggest offseason surprises right before we finish up here. My biggest surprise with the Flyers can, is that— Can I have an opinion? Yeah, sure. Oh, thanks. Um, you asked the question. I think that if the team isn't significantly improved, if we're looking at an October the way that the Octobers have been, I don't think they do anything. I think that it's going to be, and I think that everyone here is going to be saying, well, it's the first season with Elaine Vigneault. It's the same season or the first season of Chuck Fletcher. Like, let's give them time. And I think that that's just what the season is going to be. And that's going to be the story of the season if it starts slow. I could I, I could see the, the, like, a new coach needs some time. But what I'm saying is that, like, if we're... Maybe maybe saying the first two months is too much, but like if we're halfway through the year and the team is is still flailing, there's I think stuff's gonna. I happen. just think Steph is very much in the like everything is bad mode. Well, I just don't think that everything is good. I don't. I'm not. I don't think I'm necessarily pessimistic. I just I I haven't seen enough out of this off season to say well this is a team that's awesome and great and I can't wait to watch them in October. But I don't think anybody's saying the team is awesome. Like you I'm can, not you, arguing you, you, with you anybody. Can, I'm you saying you can be a playoff team and not be awesome. You can just you're just a playoff team. I'm just saying what I'm seeing. I'm not arguing with anybody in particular. I'm just this is what I'm seeing. The team that won the cup wasn't awesome. Well, they weren't awesome in the first half. The second <laughs> half, they were awesome. They got awesome goaltending. They were they they, they were one of they, they were one of the best play driving teams in the league in the second half. They were legitimately awesome in the second half. Once Baruby, shockingly enough, figured out how to unlock that team. Greg Baruby. This fucking sport is nonsense. It's wild. It's just nonsense. <laughs> I love it. it. There's no rhyme or reason Nothing. to this game. Um, real quick here, biggest offseason surprises. We're going to wrap up quickly. Did anyone realize Arizona's spending to the cap? Yes. Now, like, to the cap? Yes. Like, they have, other than Vegas, who is over the cap, the highest cap hit in the league. Yeah, but one thing I'd have the to... One, it includes the host of contract, well, my, which is My LPI question LPI. is, like, is that in real money or is that in cap money? It, there is a lot of, like... Two years from now, the actual money is bigger and the cap hit is bigger right now than the actual cash they're spending. Okay, because yes. like that—that's one way they. That's one like thing that around. Yeah, because it's like, well, yeah, his cap hit is six million, but he's only getting paid two million in real money. Yeah, it, it, there is more cap hit than real money for like this year and next year. Okay, and then th- like the third year, it actually like switches. But okay. it, it, it's still. It's freaking Arizona. I'd like, I'd like and to see them spend money. Eighty-one million. <laughs> like <laughs> I was just shocked when I went to Cap Friendly today. This little bank contract is pissing me off. Like I'm seriously pissed off by it. Why didn't we offer sheet him for two million? Because <laughs> Chuck is a cuck. I mean, it's fair, <laughs> I like but that. like, I, 
I look, I don't know the ins and outs of this negotiation, but the one thing you have to remember with offer sheets is that the I, guy has, has to, to sign it. it. Maybe that, he doesn't want to leave San Jose. It must be the most fun goddamn place in the world to live up in like in the Bay Area. That's the all I can, nice. They must really enjoy the it. Is very nice. Like looking at what Kapanen and uh, Andreas Johnson got compared to LeBanc, it, I, I'm shocked and pissed off by this contract. I mean, granted, they're better than LeBanc. I mean, a million a year in San Jose, you probably get what, a one bedroom apartment? That's a loft. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a loft. Freaking Carlson better be paying half these guys under the table. All right, everybody. That is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that damn subscribe button, you bums. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, give us those good reviews. Give us that thumbs up. Tell your friends. All that stuff. My name is Bill Matz. For Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph, have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah.